Ethos New York Knicks podcast with Andre Gallagher coming to you after a thrilling game against the Philadelphia 76ers, a game the Knicks had to win after the disaster that was the Atlanta Hawks game earlier this week, a game that I told you, I told you that that game was going to be a turning point for this team, a watershed moment in this season, because changes had to be made after that game. You saw it. Every wart the Knicks have was on display in that game. Every wart that Tibbs has was on display in that game. You knew changes had to be made, and you saw it tonight. This was a victory that Tom Thibodeau earned for this team. He did everything that Knicks fans have been clamoring for him to do. Critics have been saying he could not do. He did it in this game. No stubbornness, no inflexibility, no going down in flames with guys who weren't playing well, even though Randall still with a bad, relatively bad game. You can never see it in the numbers sometimes when you look at his stat line. It's always in the field goal percentage. It's always in the turnovers. It's always in the floor game. Randall managed to escape the wrath of Tom Thibodeau with the lineups not working, with the Hawks, the embarrassing loss. You saw Fournier with a net rating of minus nine coming in this game, finally seeing the bench. And I, I told you, I'm not taking any bows there. I've been making excuses for Fournier going back to the preseason. But after the season has come, I mean, how many games are you going to wait? This is the eighth game of the season. You see a guy who's minus nine and next closest lowest net rating is like minus five. It's ridiculous. He had to go. He had to sit. And you saw Grimes inserted into the starting lineup. A surprising move. A move that you can actually find criticism for even though a lot of Nick fans want to see Quentin Grimes play and they want to see him thrive. Here's a guy that hasn't played in the preseason. Only played at the end of the Hawks game and now he's in the starting lineup. I mean, that's tough. The tough spot. And the Knicks start the game slow. I don't put the heat on him. But they started the game slow defensively, which is the primary reason why he was playing. They were pretty decent. But they couldn't score the ball. And you saw a lot of nonsense from Randall, a lot of old isolations, terrible shots. He's in the teams for three-point shooting now. This guy takes more threes than anybody in the league, and he's shooting like 16%. When's it going to stop? Now you saw it. In the second half of this game, you saw somebody got in Randall's ear and said, listen, you got to cut the nonsense. Because he didn't take many shots. He didn't score until late in the fourth quarter until he made some free throws. It just enough is enough. It's not actually, that's a lie. He took some shots in the third quarter. So probably when he came back in the game in the fourth, somebody told him he needed to chill out. Because there's nonsense. You're, you're seeing people on Twitter wondering if he's playing for the other team. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not. It's not a serious thought, but you, it was crossing my mind. Well, what are you doing? Why are you taking those shots? Why are you holding the ball? Like, what is what is your problem? But you saw a Tom Thibodeau not stick with any lineup that was not working. And you saw a guy quickly who has been playing well, had a good floor game, hasn't been putting a lot of points up, so if you're not watching the games, you're not really going to realize it. He's been playing very well on both sides of the floor. But in the third quarter, you didn't see he was in the game by himself. Usually he's in the game with another point guard. But in the third quarter, no. He was in there with RJ, uh, I believe Cam and Grimes. 
or Grimes, and you you weren't seeing any efficiency with that offense at all. It was a rudderless ship, and it seems like it's always a rudderless ship when he's running the show without another point guard. And I don't mean I don't mean to be disparaging of a guy who I think is playing fairly well, even though in this game this wasn't his game. Other guys other guys close this game out. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be his game every time. It's not gonna be any games every time, except for Randall. Who's like Teflon Don? And you think Brunson is gonna be in that mix? RJ's typically in that mix, and that's kind of unfortunate. <laughs> because they're not always playing efficiently, at least as far as RJ and Randall's concerned. RJ played well this game. Give him credit. 37 minutes. 8 of 15 from the field. Yeah, again, 2 of 8 from 3. 4 of 6 from the line, which was disappointing. He had some big free throws down the stretch. Missed one, but he's been shooting well in the season. 9 rebounds, which is a good thing for him. 2 steals and a block. 22 points. Solid game for him. You can't knock him. But you saw you saw so many lineups tried in this game. You saw Thibodeau said during the a couple about a week ago, he said he did not want to play eleven guys. But he played eleven guys tonight before Mitchell got hurt. Unfortunately, Mitchell banged his knee or or tweaked it. Not much news on it yet. Once Mitch got hurt, you saw Jericho Sims play his first meaningful minutes of the season and do nothing. And I like Jericho Sims, but it it is weird to me how guys can go to the rim when he's there and just score like he's not there. This guy could jump through the roof. He's a big, strong kid. How are you not getting at least... These guys are making the shot clean. They're not even, it's not even rolling around the rim. It's like you're invisible. And you saw in the second half of that game, Tom Thibodeau had no patience for it. He wasn't even going to, not time to experiment with Jericho Sims. He went right to the OB Randall lineup when he took Hartenstein out of the game. And Hartenstein was playing reasonably well, even though the Knicks were getting down in this game. He went Hartenstein and he went Randall. And you didn't believe your eyes. You really didn't. And I said it on Twitter. Obi was playing. He wasn't necessarily playing well before that. So he really had no tangible reason for playing Obi outside of the fact that he knew that Obi was the best three-point shooter on the damn team. Say it right. There's no more small sample size. There's no more the games were meaningless at the end of the season. This man's a shooter. This man's a shooter. He's shooting 50% from three. And that's the kind of adjustment that you expect Tom Thibodeau not to make. And he made it. They needed three-point shooting. They shot terribly in this game. Terribly. They only made nine threes in the game, and, and Obi made three of them. He played Obi because he needed his shooting. It, I told you it was a turning point in Atlanta. Can the Knicks build on this is the question. It was a turning point. Everything got turned upside down after that game. Had to. Tom Thibodeau looked at his team and said, I got to play Obi Toppin for his three-point shooting. And it paid off. It paid off. Obi Toppin, 
20 minutes, 6 of 10 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. Of course, he only has 3 rebounds and almost cost the Knicks the game by getting thrown to the side at the free throw line down the stretch of the game. And I tweeted at the time, the Knicks need to consider putting Hartenstein in the game for rebounding, not necessarily for the free throws, but just for that defensive possession. Because what Philadelphia was doing was pretty much on the perimeter. They weren't doing any screen and roll action. It was setting screens, but it wasn't meant to, to get a roll. It was just meant to get the guards a little open space. It would have been a tough decision because you were playing well and you were on a run. But the Knicks were having trouble securing defensive rebounds all night. 22nd chance points they gave up in this game. They don't understand that when you give up a lot of three-point shots and the Knicks give up a lot of three-point shots, you're going to give up a lot of rebounds and teams know crash the boards and you're giving a second chance. You're seeing it every single night. You're seeing it every night. Teams are just... And teams don't crash offensive rebounds in this league very much anymore. So when you see it every night against the Knicks, you know it's a scouting report thing. Teams typically shoot and give it up. Let's get back on defense. Not against the Knicks. These guys are crashing the board every single time. And they get hands on the board, on the on the boards, knocking the ball around. And the Knicks just don't seem like they have a, a, a clue what to do about it. And that's not about Mitchell. That's not about Hardenstein. That's not even, sometimes it is about Randall because he's just watching sometimes. It's just about everybody has to box out. It's long rebounds. Everyone has to track the ball Everyone has to find a body and make sure they, they kind of basically build a, a perimeter around the basket to get these boards. And it's kudos to Quickly because Quickly seems to get rebounds that other guys can't get. In a game where he didn't play a ton, 21 minutes compared to what he usually does. Six rebounds. Six rebounds in 20 minutes. This guy's an outstanding rebounding guard. But with that said, he's getting rebounds that other guys should be getting. Why aren't y'all getting these rebounds? Uh, not to pick on RJ and Randall, but RJ played 37 minutes. Randall, 36 minutes. Decent rebound numbers, 9 and 10. This guy played 21 minutes in his 6. And shame on Obi, he only got 3. But he's not the number. He hasn't played enough minutes typically to be the number one reason why we're not getting these rebounds. He's not playing enough minutes to be the number one reason the Knicks aren't getting these rebounds. But this is becoming a huge issue. 20 second chance points, it was a difference in the game. It was a difference in the game when Atlanta was making a run as well. I couldn't find the numbers to prove it because the game, the ebbs and flows of that game were so dramatic. That when you look at the quarters, you saw when the Knicks were dominating, and then you saw Atlanta have to come back and make up for everything that they were not doing in the first half of the quarter. And you saw in the third quarter a complete domination. You saw some of the numbers in that third quarter of that game. This is becoming a huge issue for the team and their and their defense, which has been hold luckily, luckily holding guys to low three-point shooting percentages because they give up a lot of open threes. Now, statistically, I personally have a little bit of an issue 
with what is considered to be an open three statistically. I'm out on the island on that. Okay, but that said, the Knicks give up a lot of open threes by any measure. But the Knicks do offer a lot of late contests. Contests that a lot of teams don't care about. They give up a lot of threes, and and for the most part, teams have not been shooting a very good percentage against the Knicks when they get those shots. The problem is the Knicks are not getting those boards. 20-second chance points, that's the whole game there. The game could be lost just on that alone and probably should have been. This is a game the Knicks were desperate to win. Desperate to win. And I don't care if Embiid didn't play and Harden didn't play. None of that really matters because at the end of the day, a win is a win. Only, the only time people start talking about who was playing is immediately after the game. No one's talking about it in the week. They had to win this game. It didn't matter. And they were in such a tight spot, a tough spot after the Atlanta game with so much unease and uncertainty that you expected this game to be close. You wanted the game, if you're a Knicks fan, to be a blowout, but you expected it was going to be some shakiness off, coming off, some pressure was going to be on this team. And they responded, for the most part, in this fourth quarter, where they looked uneasy. They, they kind of stayed in the game. Philly was playing with confidence. They knew what they wanted. Again, the scouting report was all over the Knicks. All over the Knicks. They knew what shots they were going to get. They knew who to leave open. They were staying in this game as much as Doc Rivers gets, gets credit. They were staying in this game because they knew they knew exactly what they needed to do to stay in this game. Period. Now, when you look at it, as soon as Mitchell came out of this game, you had to think that Hardenstein was going to finish this game out, and that's not what happened. In that third quarter, and you talk about it all the time, people always want Hardenstein to play instead of instead of Rand. I mean, sorry, I'm sorry, instead of Mitchell. And I love Hardenstein. I do. And if you heard me in the preseason, I told you Hardenstein, or before the preseason over the summer, I told you Hardenstein, was, his floor game was underrated. And Nick fans are going to fall in love with him. But there's a notion that Mitchell has been worse than he has been. The worst aspect of Mitchell has been his foul trouble. When he's been on the court, he's been a good player. He's a victim of the guys playing around him because the starters, like Fournier, are terrible. And Randall has been for the most part, inefficient all season. Even when he's played well, he's been inefficient. And his numbers don't reflect it, Mitchell's numbers, that is, because of the foul trouble and the guys that he typically plays with. And you saw and you saw Dibido was going to have Mitchell play a little bit with the second unit, and he did play a little bit with the second unit in that second quarter when he got hurt. He played hurt, came back in the game, played hurt. In that third quarter, he thought it was going to be Hardenstein's game. And Hardenstein had a good game. Overall, but only played eight minutes in that third quarter. He didn't play the rest of the game. Didn't play the rest of the game. The Knicks were outscored 30 to 16 in that quarter. 30 to 16. And quickly came in that game and he didn't play well. You didn't see him for the rest of the game. I told you one thing about Tom, Sands Randall, if you're playing well, you're going to stay in. And if you're going to say Sands Randall, it's typically Sands Randall and Sands Obi. Randall's playing no matter what, unfortunately. But everyone else, if you don't play well, you're not going to play. If you play well, you will. And you didn't see quickly play well in that third quarter. And it's exactly, as I mentioned it earlier, it's exactly what I've been talking about all year long. When he is the primary ball handler, when the offense doesn't go through him, it is not the most efficient offense in the world for the Knicks. That was prominently on display in that third quarter. 
where he sported a minus 10 in the quarter. R.J. Barrett, minus 14 in the quarter. Randall, minus 7 in the quarter. Only played 9 minutes. R.J. played the entire third quarter, 12 minutes. Grimes, minus 9. Grimes was just out there playing defense. He didn't do anything else, and it's hard to expect much from him. Brunson was a minus 4. Brunson had a good game tonight. And I told you, I, I tweeted it out. This was going to be a Brunson game, and it was. It was going to be a Brunson game, and it was. It needed to be. Because you saw, even though RJ was playing well, the way RJ plays, you can never count. You you can never say, hey, if we do this, RJ is going to score at a 50% rate. This is his play. This is his advantage. You can't do that. You don't know where to get offense from with RJ. He's typically getting offense from freelancing in transition, in secondary transition, and when the ball finds him on the weak side. And as a result, you never know what you're going to get down the stretch of a game from him. But with Brunson, when you needed points, you knew what you could do. And he wasn't dominant, but he was solid. Didn't shoot well. What are his numbers? 35 minutes, 7 of 15. Not bad. 1 of 4 from 3, 8 of 9 from the free throw line. And he missed a big free throw down the stretch of this game where RJ inbounded the ball. Julius Randle had just made four straight free throws, and they were true for a 69% shooter. RJ looked him off and threw it to Jalen, and I'm not even mad at him. Put that weight on Jalen. You know he has the heart for it. And even though Randle came through, give him credit. Don't give him, don't shade him. Give him credit. I was very uneasy with Randle at the line. 69% on the season. I was confident with Brunson on the line, but what happens? He misses the first. Figures. And you're thinking the game is, is done when he misses that free throw. He, look at this. Six rebounds, seven assists, no steals, one turnover, 23 points. In a game where the Knicks won by two, he was a plus 11. RJ plus one, Julius, unbelievably, a plus seven. Six turnovers in the game. Five assists, no steals, one block, ten rebounds, four or five from the line, one of five from three. Six of 13 from the field. It just looks better than it was. But six turnovers don't look bad. But with all of that said, Randall does a lot for this team. He just doesn't do what you want him to do. But they need him to do quite as much. But you did see that in the fourth quarter. You saw a plus two from Hartenstein for the game. You saw a plus four for Rose in the game who only played seven minutes. And you know what? The whispers are starting. And I talked about it last game. There's something feels like it's off with Rose. And he didn't play at all in the second half of this game. And it didn't necessarily hurt. The, it didn't necessarily um, help the team that he didn't play. That was that third quarter where he would have normally come in the game at the end of that quarter. The second half of that quarter, four minutes or so, quickly usually comes in first. You didn't see him come in, and you saw quickly when he was in that game not actually running the team well. And he went down a good bit of points in that quarter. I, I told you, well, I scored 30 to 16. Fournier, who was clearly benched, and there was some question whether or not he would even play in this game, at least for me. Because I told you last episode, I told you how terrible this guy's been. And Cam needed to play for his defense. You didn't think Tom was going to play 11 people. Once you got word that Grimes, Grimes is going to play, 
I thought Cam wasn't going to play because he was married to Fournier. It's hard to go from starter to complete not playing at all, completely not playing at all. But, again, give Tom credit. He played 11 guys, and Fournier came in his game. He played 15 minutes, 14 minutes, and was a minus one. I guess it's not too bad. Just, just a minus one. One of four from the field. It was a nice move he made when he made it. And guess what? They don't need that. They don't need your 14 minutes and your minus one and your one for four. They don't need it. And you saw Cam Reddish. And I'm remiss waiting so long to mention him because he had a very good game. Had a very good floor game. Didn't dribble off his foot. Didn't take the wild and crazy three. Didn't take the wild and crazy attack to the attack in the rim. He was just outstanding defensively with deflections, with steals, outstanding. And I told you in the preseason that this guy was going to play for his defense as unbelievable as it sounded. I told you that. I said he's going to play for his defense, I think. Spot duty. This was more than spot duty. This guy has earned a position on this team to play. To play for his defense of all things. For his defense. And if he's going to play like he did last night and not come in the game and do nonsense with the bad shots and the bad takes to the rim and dribbling off your foot and turning the ball over just being absent-minded. If he's not going to do that and just play defense, then maybe you can see the best of Cam when the opportunity finds him. And you saw a little of that last night. 11 points in the game. 4-4 from the field, 1-1 from three-point land, no rebounds, three assists. One steal, and that's deceiving. One steal, one block, and that's deceiving. It was a nice block he had on Maxi. Maxi was starting to get off. The Knicks were playing pretty good defense on Maxi. It didn't seem like it if you look at his point totals, but he was 6 of uh, 16 at one point in the game. And then he went on a little mini run by himself and got his numbers looking uh, decent again. But then you saw Cam get become the primary defender on him. And just having him on the floor with his length. He got in passing lanes. He made shots difficult for guys. He contested the last three of the game that would have tied it. I think Cam is going to play for his defense. And, it, and I think that's the best case scenario for the Knicks because his offense will come. Part of his offensive struggles is the fact that he's not in rhythm. He's forcing it. He's not in rhythm. He still doesn't have a great floor game and, and great court, court awareness, but just still seeing the worst of him offensively because he doesn't play. You'll at least see what he can do. You'll at least see the best of him offensively if he's on the court and he knows he's going to get 15, 20 minutes a game at the very least because of his defense alone. alone. And it's... A, and it's the fulfillment of a promise. You see Tom Thibodeau all the time. You hear him all the time talk about, hey, you play defense in practice. You work hard in practice. You play defense, you're going to play. And Cam is the type of player that needs that. Because he's never been a player that's been very strong mentally. He's always had a reputation of being kind of lazy defensively. He's always had a reputation of being kind of selfish offensively. And he's always had a reputation of never wanting to earn his position. Being entitled. And came here, he didn't get a chance to play, and now he's earned a spot on the floor, and you're seeing Fournier earn a spot on the bench. And that's the way it needs to end up. And you, you heard Wally Zerbiak after the game talk about how 
Tom Thibodeau has to stop mismatching the lineups and the rotations. He had to do it this game. He had to do it after the Atlanta game. Now, if you want to say he can't do it going forward and the guys need to know their roles, I get that. I don't totally, personally understand why it has to be that way. You're a professional, but I know for a fact that it is that way. Players need to know what their roles are. They need to find that comfort zone. I get that. But the Knicks are not in that position right now, and they weren't in that position tonight. He did what he needed to do tonight. As it stands, there is no reason to play Fournier. If you can get this defensive effort from Cam on a nightly basis, you have to play him. And the more you play him, the better it's going to get. If he's not going to play defense like he did last night, if he's going to play defense like he did in Atlanta, then you got to sit him down. That doesn't mean you go get Fournier. It means now you have Grimes to go back to. Now, you, again, you have Quickly to go back to. But he adds so much when he's locked in, he's playing well. And it's the same thing with Obi. Obi's a guy, listen, play him at small forward if you have to. Get the guy on the court. You're a terrible three-point three shooting team, and he's the best three-point shooter on the team. Fournier aside, because you're not getting enough from him. You're just not getting enough from him. Guys, I'm going to have to start guarding Obi Toppin. And when Obi Toppin figures out, hey, I put this ball on the floor, I'm going to get all the way to the rim, and I'm going to finish, I'm going to get to the line. Once he starts finding that rhythm, it's lights out on that weak side. It's lights out. Because he has more talent as an offensive player than people know. He just, his mind isn't there yet. He doesn't know exactly what to do when he gets to that second level because he's not in that situation enough. The more he's in that situation, the better he'll get. And I understand he has his defensive deficiencies but listen, I don't want to see Evan Fournier on the floor anymore. If Cam Reddish plays and you get dribble foot disease, Cam Reddish, then you pull him out, put OBS more forward, and you live with it. You see the Cavaliers got to the playing tournament last year playing Laurie Markkinen at small forward. Yes, you're going to have some growing pains. Yes, you're going to have some issues. But you're going to have the effort, and you're going to have something discernible on the other side of the floor, which is somebody who you know can knock that shot down if you give him enough looks. And you hear Tom Thibodeau every single time he gets a chance. He's telling you he believes in OB shooting. So it's not like I'm saying it, you're saying it. You're a poor three-point shooting team. You're sometimes a low-energy team. Put him out there. Put him out there. And he's not a great defensive rebounder. When he's under the rim, he's a pretty good defensive rebounder from the perimeter. Because he, because he elevates, he can jump over guys. He's just not a guy that you want under the rim right now. But Wally Zerbiak harping on the lineup being just mismatch all the time and a mishmash, and that's just not the focus right now. It's not the focus right now. The focus is learning your lessons and... Tom Thibodeau needed to learn his lesson. It, listen, I was late to the party too. You're not getting what you need out of Evan Fournier. Now he has to sit, and now you got now you got to figure it out. And we all see the potential of Cam Reddish. We all see it, but you have to be a professional every night. You can't be somebody who's going to dribble the ball at their foot and not be paying attention to who your man is. You can't be that guy. You're not going to play. Obi has to learn that lesson as well, and he's been much better with it. You can't be that guy. You got to be a plus out of the, out there. 
And they have to roll that dice now with Grimes. Again, you didn't get much from Grimes last night. That's not... Don't panic about it. You're going to get more from him the more he plays. You saw at the end of the Atlanta game, which is a very small uh, sample size, and you saw it in this game, his defense is a factor. and is going to make the team better. They just need to get used to playing with each other. In this game against Boston tomorrow, you're not going to have Mitchell. There's a lot of talk about the way Boston plays. You could probably play small. I wouldn't put Randall on Horford. I think Horford would just... I think Horford will find a way to take advantage of Randall in the paint, in in big spots, on the offensive boards. He's just a very smart, crafty player. I think the Knicks have to are probably going to have to play a little small against Boston because you can't count on Jericho Sims right now. I like Jericho Sims, but he hasn't played all year. It's just not a fair spot to put him in. I think you'll see Jericho in the first half. If he doesn't play well, you'll probably see the OB Randall lineup again tomorrow night. But I'm less interested in that than I am the Fournier aspect of this. I don't think Fournier should be playing right now. I think you play Cam. I think you play, you get Rose back in the mix. You see what his issue is. You play Cam. You start Grimes. Hopefully, they got a little rhythm from this game today. And you roll your dice with that lineup. I think putting quickly out there with Brunson is perfect. Because Rose isn't playing well right now. But when I say he's not playing well, it's just tough. He's not playing a lot of minutes. This was a bad game he just had. He's had some better games and better outings. He just doesn't look right. But you got to put him out there. You send him out there. You see what's what. Stop trying to have quickly run the show by himself out there. That's a mistake. You have RJ run with the second unit. More more often than he has been. You saw it tonight, 12 minutes in the third quarter. That's him playing with the second unit, but they didn't play well together. A lot of that is because he quickly was running the show instead of having Rose out there. But having Rose out there also takes the ball out of RJ's hands. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues. There are a lot of issues with this team and how they fit together with their play styles, but they're pros and they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out. And if Rose isn't playing well, then Rose doesn't have to have the ball in his hands quite as much. You can put the ball in RJ's hands more. You can put the ball in his hands more with that second unit. I think it's a good idea to keep him out there with the second unit. Absolutely it is. So I'm excited about this game tomorrow night against Boston. It's a, it's a game that I think the Knicks could potentially win, not because they're so good now because they beat this hapless Philadelphia team, but because their lineup changes, Boston is not going to be prepared for their those rotations. They're not going to be prepared for all of the different players the Knicks are going to put out there. They've only seen the worst of Grimes. They've only seen an inconsistent Cam. They've only seen the Knicks for the most part with Fournier in the starting lineup. They haven't seen Hardenstein with the starters as much as they've seen with Mitchell. Mitchell's probably not going to play tomorrow night. So there are aspects of the rotation the Knicks are going to be playing with against Boston tomorrow night that Boston is going to have a hard time preparing for. And I think that might be, it might be an advantage for them. And having Cam play against a guy like Tatum and against a guy like Brown and having Grimes out there against a guy like Brown, again, these are things, these are, these are things that the Knicks haven't had for most of the year. Cam's been in and out of lineup, yes. But they typically have lineups with Fournier in it where you can attack Fournier, and that's what teams have been doing when he's in the game. 
So now as starters, you have different starters. You have different guys in the rotation coming off the bench. I think it might be enough to keep it close in the fourth quarter and maybe the Knicks get lucky. But we'll be here. Big win. I don't care what you say. It's a big win for the Knicks. Can't wait for this game against Boston. I'll be live tweeting during the game. Come follow. Come join the conversation. SportsEthos.com. You know the drill by now. At SportsEthos on Twitter. At EthosKnicks. Until next time.